Today on Commuter Bible, as David comes to power and reigns as king, his eyes wander where they should not go, and his heart desires what does not belong to him. It's 2 Samuel chapters 9 through 11 and Psalm 79. This is Commuter Bible, the audio Bible podcast to match your weekly schedule. I'm your host, John Ross. Throughout the Old Testament, we meet men of varying backgrounds who set out to obey the Lord and deliver God's people. Time and again, God's people rejoice and revel in their hero, but inevitably, these men fall and are shown to be sinful. There is none righteous, no, not one. David is no exception, and his lust for another man's wife begets more and more sin. Luxury and boredom turn into lust, which turns to an abuse of power, then adultery, then deception, then secondhand murder. Though he tries to hide his sin by sinning further, the Lord will not allow the sin of Israel's king to go unpunished. 2 Samuel chapters 9 through 11. David asked, Is there anyone remaining from the family of Saul I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? There was a servant of Saul's family named Ziba. They summoned him to David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? I am your servant, he replied. So the king asked, Is there anyone left of Saul's family that I can show the kindness of God to? Ziba said to the king, There is still Jonathan's son, who was injured in both feet. The king asked him, Where is he? Ziba answered the king, You'll find him in Lodabar, at the house of Machir, son of Amiel. So King David had him brought from the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David, fell face down, and paid homage. David said, Mephibosheth, I am your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, since I intend to show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all your grandfather Saul's fields and you will always eat meals at my table. Mephibosheth paid homage and said, What is your servant that you take an interest in a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Saul's attendant Ziba and said to him, I have given your master's grandson all that belonged to Saul and his family. You, your sons, and your servants are to work the ground for him, and you are to bring in the crops so your master's grandson will have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, is always to eat at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do all my lord the king commands. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table, just like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. All those living in Ziba's house were Mephibosheth's servants. However, 
Mephibosheth, lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. His feet had been injured. Some time later, the king of the Ammonites died, and his son Hanan became king in his place. Then David said, I'll show kindness to Hanan, son of Nahash, just as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent his emissaries to console Hanan concerning his father. However, when they arrived in the land of the Ammonites, the Ammonite leaders said to Hanan their lord, Just because David has sent men with condolences for you, do you really believe he's showing respect for your father? Instead, hasn't David sent his emissaries in order to scout out the city, spy on it, and demolish it? So Hanan took David's emissaries, shaved off half their beards, cut their clothes in half at the hips, and sent them away. When this was reported to David, he sent someone to meet them, since they were deeply humiliated. The king said, Stay in Jericho until your beards grow back, then return. When the Ammonites realized they had become repulsive to David, they hired 20,000 foot soldiers from the Arameans of Beth Rehob and Zobah, 1,000 men from the king of Mecha, and 12,000 men from Tob. David heard about it and sent Joab and all the elite troops. The Ammonites marched out and lined up in battle formation at the entrance to the city gate while the Arameans of Zobah and Rehob and the men of Tob and Mekah were in the field by themselves. When Joab saw that there was a battle line in front of him and another behind him, he chose some of Israel's finest young men and lined up in formation to engage the Arameans. He placed the rest of the forces under the command of his brother Abishai. They lined up in formation to engage the Ammonites. If the Arameans are too strong for me, Joab said, then you will be my help. However, if the Ammonites are too strong for you, I'll come to help you. Be strong. Let's prove ourselves strong for our people and for the cities of our God. May the Lord's will be done. Joab and his troops advanced to fight against the Arameans, and they fled before him. When the Ammonites saw that the Arameans had fled, they too fled before Abishai and entered the city. So Joab withdrew from the attack against the Ammonites and went to Jerusalem. When the Arameans saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they regrouped. Hadadezer sent messengers to bring the Arameans who were beyond the Euphrates River. And they came to heal them with Shobak, commander of Hadadezer's army, leading them. When this was reported to David, he gathered all Israel, crossed the Jordan, and went to Helam. Then the Arameans lined up to engage David in battle and fought against him. But the Arameans fled before Israel, and David killed 700 of their charioteers and 40,000 foot soldiers. He also struck down Shobak, commander of their army, who died there. 
when all the kings who were Hadadezer's subjects saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they made peace with Israel and became their subjects. After this, the Arameans were afraid to ever help the Ammonites again. spring, when kings march out to war, David sent Joab with his officers and all Israel. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and strolled around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing, a very beautiful woman. So David sent someone to inquire about her, and he said, Isn't this Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam and wife of Uriah the Hethite? David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to him, he slept with her. Now, she had just been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Afterward, she returned home. The woman conceived and sent word to inform David, I am pregnant. David sent orders to Joab, Send me Uriah the Hethite. So Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab and the troops were doing and how the war was going. Then he said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace, and a gift from the king followed him. But Uriah slept at the door of the palace with all his master's servants. He did not go down to his house. When it was reported to David, Uriah didn't go home. David questioned Uriah. Haven't you just come from a journey? Why didn't you go home? Uriah answered David, The ark, Israel, and Judah are dwelling in tents, and my master Joab and his soldiers are camping in the open field. How can I enter my house to eat and drink and sleep with my wife? 
As surely as you live, and by your life, I will not do this. Stay here today also, David said to Uriah, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next. Then David invited Uriah to eat and drink with him, and David got him drunk. He went out in the evening to lie down on his cot with his master's servants, but he did not go home. The next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In the letter he wrote, Put Uriah at the front of the fiercest fighting. Then withdraw from him so that he is struck down and dies. When Joab was besieging the city, he put Uriah in the place where he knew the best enemy soldiers were. Then the men of the city came out and attacked Joab, and some of the men from David's soldiers fell in battle. Uriah the Hethite also died. Joab sent someone to report to David all the details of the battle. He commanded the messenger, When you finish telling the king all the details of the battle, if the king's anger gets stirred up and he asks you, Why did you get so close to the city to fight? Didn't you realize they would shoot from the top of the wall? At Thebes, who struck Abimelech, son of Jerubasheth? Didn't a woman drop an upper millstone on him from the top of the wall so that he died? Why did you get so close to the wall? Then say, Your servant Uriah the Hephite is dead also. Then the messenger left. When he arrived, he reported to David all that Joab had sent him to tell. The messenger reported to David, The men gained the advantage over us and came out against us in the field. But we counterattacked right up to the entrance of the city gate. However, the archers shot down on your servants from the top of the wall, and some of the king's servants died. Your servant Uriah the Hethite is also dead. David told the messenger, Say this to Joab, Don't let this matter upset you, because the sword devours all alike. Intensify your fight against the city and demolish it. Encourage him. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband Uriah had died, she mourned for him. When the time of mourning ended, David had her brought to his house. She became his wife and bore him a son. However, the Lord considered what David had done to be evil. Psalm 79 God, the nations have invaded your inheritance, desecrated your holy temple, and turned Jerusalem into ruins. They gave the corpses of your servants to the birds of the sky for food, the flesh of your faithful ones to the beasts of the earth. 
They poured out their blood like water all around Jerusalem, and there was no one to bury them. We have become an object of reproach to our neighbors, a source of mockery and ridicule to those around us. How long, Lord, will you be angry forever? Will your jealousy keep burning like fire? Pour out your wrath on the nations that don't acknowledge you, on the kingdoms that don't call on your name. For they have devoured Jacob and devastated his homeland. Do not hold past iniquities against us. Let your compassion come to us quickly, for we have become very weak. God of our salvation, help us for the glory of your name. Rescue us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. Why should the nations ask, Where is their God? Before our eyes, let vengeance for the shed blood of your servants be known among the nations. Let the groans of the prisoners reach you according to your great power. Preserve those condemned to die. Pay back sevenfold to our neighbors the reproach they have hurled at you, Lord. Then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will thank you forever. We will declare your praise to generation after generation. Shout out to Lene Postel in Lansdowne, Pennsylvania, and Ed Plaster in Ocala, Florida. These are our two newest Patreon patrons. Thanks so much to both of you and to all of our patrons who continue to support this work. Because of you, I don't have to dive into my family's budget to pay for this podcast. And with what we have left over, we just put it right back into the podcast for advertising and equipment that helps me to make this show in an easier fashion. If you want to join these fine folks, you can go to patreon.com slash commuterbible. Today's episode was narrated and orchestrated by me, John Ross, and co-produced by Bobby Brown, Eric Williamson, and the Christian Standard Bible. Thanks for listening, and remember, happy is the one whose delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night.